Welcome to the Radiant Visalia podcast. Join us at one of our two services, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Download the Church Center app or visit our website, radiantvisalia.com, to stay connected with us. All right, enjoy. As followers of Jesus here at Radiant Church, we're doing what we can to follow, follow Jesus together. And one of the things that Jesus does so well is, is serve. The Bible tells us that he, he humbled himself and that he took on the very nature of a servant. And he did not come to be served, but to serve and our desire to serve has led us into a study of the gifts, or um, I, yeah, the, the different gifts and ministries that God's given us. Um, these gifts that God's given the church are designed to edify the church and to build up the church. Uh, on the bulletin that you received when you walked in, there's a passage that says, each one of you should use the gift you have been received to serve others. Faithfully, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If you are operating in your gift, it should benefit the whole church and not just you. It should not only make you happy, but it should make us happy. The church... Um, should be able to echo the call or the gift that God's given you. Uh, we believe at Radiant that the gifts are, are for the church today and should be exercised according to the limits of Scripture. This is, a, this is what's called a charismatic stance. It's scary to use that word because that means ten different things to ten different people based on your experience with the gifts or, uh, in particular, the so-called miraculous gifts listed in Scripture. Paul, he charged the church uh, not to be ignorant or unaware regarding the gifts. And I would say um, that today there are many people that are kind of unaware of the gifts that they have the gifts that God's given them and how they are to use the God, these God-given gifts to build up and edify the church. Um, maybe you're here this morning, you, you don't necessarily, uh, we did like a spiritual gifts inventory in our home group on Thursday. And there are a lot of people that were just like, you know, I just don't know. I've not had a lot of opportunity to exercise these things. I, I don't know if God's given me this gift. And... Um, a lot of people are pretty, um, as Paul would say, ignorant regarding the gifts. And do you know whose fault that is? Mine. And uh, if you grew up in church, you probably grew up in uh, one of three churches. The first would have been a church that maybe from the pulpit denounced these gifts and said they weren't for the church today. Or, most of you probably grew up in a church that was just silent about these gifts. Just didn't really talk about them. Read through the passages, but didn't take any time to help you understand what these gifts are, how they operate, and how they're designed by God to build up the church. 
And then third, many of you have attended churches where these gifts have been abused. And uh, you want nothing to do uh, with someone who, who claims to speak on God's behalf because you've been burned by that before. And um, so for many, these gifts of the Spirit or the miraculous gifts have been really misrepresented. And uh, they've been given a bad definition. Uh, so I, today I want the scriptures to teach us regarding the gifts. And the first thing that I want to say is that the gifts of God are dispensed by God so that we can do ministry like the Son of God. Jesus is our model for spirit-filled ministry. The model is not what you see, you know, flipping through the channels late night. The model is not what you've experienced. Um, the model is Jesus for, for spirit-filled um, ministry. Most, most people, they don't have a problem with the spiritual gifts. They've got a problem with a presentation or a ministry style that they've encountered. And Jesus was very natural. He was naturally supernatural. We at Radiant are really excited about the supernatural. We want God to be super and we want you to be natural. And when you start to pretend to be super, um, we're going to ask you probably to do it in a more natural way. We want God to be super, we're excited about God being super, and we're excited about you being natural. This is the model that we see from Jesus. He uncovered people's sins just in conversations. There weren't necessarily miracle services, people just kind of brought the sick to him. Um, The other thing that you need to know about the gifts before we move through talking about the gifts that the Father has given and the gifts that the Son has given Um, that we participate with God in cultivating these gifts. The the more um, conversations that I have with people, there's this idea that your eyes roll back in your head, that you get taken over, that you begin to levitate and speak in tongues, you know, or that, that you don't have anything to do with what God's speaking in that moment. But the truth is, is that we participate with God in this. We, we participate with God in developing our gifting. Uh, Donnie reminded me in our home group that God placed Adam and Eve in the center of a garden. He gave them a great gift, but then he asked them to cultivate that gift. And he asked them to tend to the garden that he had given them. So you may have been given a leadership gift, but you can grow in the gift by learning and practicing God gives the gifts, make no mistake, but we've got two responsibilities. Your, your job is to eagerly desire spiritual gifts and to not neglect the gift that God's given you. It's God who gives the gifts, but we also participate with Him. We have a responsibility in it. So your eyes don't roll back into your head. No one gets taken over by God. We participate with God and we exercise these gifts. Um, we're each, one other thing that I want to make sure to clarify before we talk about these gifts is that we're each given different portions of a gift. Like there are some of you here that have been given a leadership gift and you can lead dozens of people. There are some of you here who have been given a leadership gift and maybe you can lead hundreds of people. There might be a few people here who have been given a leadership gift and you can lead thousands of people. But we've each been given a different portion of the gift. Romans tells us to exercise our gift in accordance with the faith that God's given us. 
So don't compare yourself to others. Just because someone is leading more people doesn't mean that you don't have a leadership gift on your life. Just because you're not leading like Travis doesn't mean you don't have a leadership gift. Just, just because you're um, not operating in the gift of mercy like other people are gift, operating in the gift of mercy doesn't mean that you don't have the gift of mercy. Don't compare yourself because we're each given different portions. The fourth thing that I want you to know before we jump into this is that there's no list of spiritual gifts in the New Testament that seems altogether complete. So what I want to say is that compiling all the lists may not result in a complete list either. There's overlap in some of these lists that Paul gives us of the gifts that are given to the church. And then in each list, in each list there are some new ones introduced as well. So as we study the gifts, there may be additional things that the Holy Spirit's enabled you to do that are not in here. And it doesn't mean that they're wrong. Um, It just might mean that we don't have a complete or thorough list of the gifts. Sorry, we're going to move through this pretty... In order to get through this, I've got to move through this. So this morning I'm going to have the gift of Nazi and just plow through this. It's the only way. God's doing some uh, exciting things, and, and I, th- I, I feel like there's a, a hunger that's stirring in people's hearts to, uh, to understand these gifts that God's given, and there's a hunger to operate in the gifts that God's given, and there's some really exciting things going on in the life of the church. If nothing else, I'm just excited about the, the jokes that have emerged like in our home group when someone brings enchiladas and we say, you have the gift of enchiladas. Or it just feels like there's kind of this uh, joke going on. Anyways. Um, the entire Trinity is involved in giving gifts to the church. As Christians, we believe that God exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I was excited to find that all three are involved in giving gifts to the church. This passage in Corinthians says that there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord, referring to Jesus. And there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. The gifts given by God the Holy Spirit are found in 1 Corinthians 12. You can read that passage, but uh, the gifts listed, the nine gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12 are the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. The gifts given by God the Son are found in Ephesians 4. You can read that and read that it was He that gave some to be uh, apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The gifts given by the Father are found in Romans 12. 
prophecy, teaching, exhortation, service, leading, giving, and mercy are the ones listed in Romans 12. And these are the gifts that come from God the Father. This week we're going to talk about the gifts that come from God the Father and God the Son. And next week together we're going to talk about the gifts that come from God the Holy Spirit. Because I just need one more week to figure out this tongues thing. So that's why we're going to start with the Father and the Son. The reason that we're going to start with these gifts, the ones listed in Romans 12 and the ones in Ephesians 4, is because these are a little bit different than the gifts in Corinthians 12. The gifts in Corinthians 12 are, are, are actually called, uh, the word would be best defined as movements of grace. John Wimber called it the dancing hand of God. I believe that every believer should be open to the gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12. They should be open for God to move on them in grace and to uh, exercise one of the gifts listed there. The gifts in Romans 12 are called motivational gifts. Because I believe they have to do with tendencies that characterize you. And they have a little bit more to do with a ministry that God's given you as opposed to a gift that he's given you. Now every one of us in order to operate in the ministry that God's given us will use gifts. But I believe that the gifts, the gifts listed, this is, gifts listed is tough. And I'm, uh, gifts listed in Romans 12 are, the mo- are motivational gifts. They reveal to us our basic motivation and why we do what we do. They guide our actions and they guide our decisions. So these gifts that we're about to talk about um, describe inherent tendencies that you have. And you were created with a mix of these gifts. You're not one of these things. Very few people are described by only one of these gifts. As we move through these, I'd like you to try to identify a a dominant gift in your life. Identify a design that automatically causes you to function in a certain way. So if you've got one of these uh, bulletins that I put together... I really felt like the only way that we were going to be able to move through the amount of information that I've got is to put it in front of you. And my hope is to touch on a few things, but I guess uh, I desire you to go home with this and maybe spend some time with it, asking God what gift he's given you and how you could use it to serve um, the people around you. So, um, again, we're going to move through this pretty quickly. It's the only way to get through this. And you know, these terms, um, like I said, the, the you know, prophecy, exhortation, leading, giving, mercy, these are terms that are pretty loaded. And so I'm going to try to use, uh, I'm going to try to mess with the definition a bit in hopes that you'll rediscover these gifts that God's given. Because everybody's got an idea of what this looks like. So I'm going to try to define these things in a pretty broad way uh, in hopes that you would see some of this in yourself. The gift of prophecy. Should be the first page. 
is better termed the gift of insight. Prophets in the Old Testament were called seers. Um, People that have this gift are able to perceive things that we often miss. But not only are they able to see or called upon by God to see things, they're also called upon by God to speak things. And they're supposed to speak with insight as well. Um, Those that are knit together with this gift, they've got um, an intuitive sense about where things really are. Not just things, but also people. They've got a sense of where that person really is. The rest of the body counts on people with prophetic gifts to accurately identify and proclaim the will of God. The Apostle Paul, he often uses the the body as a metaphor for the church, which is also called the body of Christ. With this metaphor in mind, someone with the gift of prophecy would be the eye of the body. They see things that the rest of the body just misses. So, uh, 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 an example from Scripture, we can see this gift of prophecy in the life of Peter. Uh, Peter had a tendency to make quick judgments and spoke up quickly. Peter spoke first more than the other disciples. Peter had an amazing ability to sense when someone or something was not what it appeared to be. In Acts 5, Peter knew immediately that Ananias and Sapphira had lied. Um, We see from Peter a tendency to be painfully direct when correcting friends. If you have a prophetic gift, you're probably painfully direct. Peter even rebuked Jesus for taking a course of action that Peter did not think was the right one to take. So Peter also had a very was an ability to be very persuasive in defining what is right and what is wrong. Those that have a prophetic gift have a strong sense of what is right and what is wrong. God used Peter to bring conviction to thousands as he preached these harsh words. You have taken Jesus and by wicked hands have crucified and slain him. That was his first sermon that brought thousands to Christ. So the dark side of this gift, because every strength has a weakness attached to it, and there's a dark side to this prophetic gift in someone's life. The dark side of the prophetic gift is that you can jump to conclusions about words, actions, and motives. The dark side is that you could judge and expose someone rather than restore them. The dark side of this gift is that people who have a prophetic gift seem to dwell on the negative rather than the positive. They can lack cautiousness and tactfulness in expressing opinions. And the dark side of this gift is that at times prophets can demand a positive response to a harsh rebuke. Do you have this gift? (laughs) Tiffany and I were sitting last night and thinking, it's going to be easier to find your gift based on these dark sides. (laughs) 
I was like, I, I don't have that, but I've got that. If you've got all the dark sides, consider getting saved. The gift of, of serving or service is listed in Romans 12. And the gift of service is motivated by a desire to meet practical needs and render specific assistance. Servers minister through deeds rather than words. If you're someone with the gift of service, the answer to what's in front of you typically has to do with doing something, not saying something. They would be best described as the hands of the body and are equipped with stamina and a disregard for weariness. We see the gift of service in the life of Timothy. Uh, Timothy served Paul so that Paul could carry out his ministry. Those that have this gift serve those that have this gift of service. Um, have joy when they do this and it frees people to do more important things. Timothy had a, had a tendency to disregard personal health and comfort in order to serve others. Timothy's physical ailments were known to Paul. Timothy felt unqualified for spiritual leadership. If you're someone here with the gift of service, you might struggle with feeling unqualified for leadership. And so you gravitate towards service because you feel comfortable in it. That seems to be what was going on in Timothy's life as well. And he needed to be reminded over and over again of his importance and his role. Paul reassured Timothy over and over again that he was qualified. So the dark side of this gift of service, if you've got this, is that um, you can accept too many jobs at one time. You've got a, you have a hard time saying no. You can be governed by needs and, feeling, and you can feel responsible for every concern. You can be too persistent in giving unrequested help to others. Oh, let me get that. No, it's okay. Let me get that. No, it's okay. Let me get that. It's all right. Let me make you a sandwich. It's okay. Let me make you a sandwich. <laughs> And also, also, people who have the gift of service can become hurt by the ungratefulness of those who were helped. Do you have this gift, the gift of service? Do you enjoy helping others become more effective in their work? Do you prefer to labor behind the scenes? When someone is doing a job poorly, this is, this is probably a really good sign. When someone is doing a job poorly... Is your first instinct to help them instead of criticize them? That's the prophet's job. You step in and you, your first, uh, you know, your tendency is to help them. The gift of teaching is the ability to impart knowledge. As the mind of the body, the teacher's motivation is to distribute the facts and to lead the body into the revealed truth of God. Exceptionally intelligent, they want to know the basis for everything and enjoy searching out the facts in order to validate truth. The gift of teaching in the life of Luke 
Luke's self-proclaimed purpose in writing a gospel, he's written a book inside the Bible, um, and his self-proclaimed purpose in writing was that people might know with certainty. Another example of the gift of teaching in the life of Luke, Luke presented truth in a systematic fashion with a chronological approach to the story of Jesus in the early church. It was important to him that it was in order so that you might know with certainty. We also see um, his delight in researching and reporting as many facts as possible. Luke's gospel is the longest gospel, and he emphasizes the completeness of his work. You won't find a better gospel in the Bible. This one is complete. The dark side of this gift, if you have a teaching gift... The dark side of the gift is that you can become proud in your knowledge. You can depend on human reasoning rather than the Holy Spirit. You can bore people with the details of research. You geek out. You can retreat into a world of books. You can give information which lacks a practical application. Do you have this gift? Do people come to you for insight on Scripture? When you teach, do people get it? When you see someone confused in their understanding, do you feel a responsibility to speak to them about it? The fourth gift is the gift of encouragement or exhortation. It literally means to call aside for the purpose of making an appeal. It is the ability to inspire people and individuals with this gift. Whoa. It's the ability to inspire people and individuals with this gift are able to help people trust in God in difficult times. Exhorters seem to thrive in difficult times. The Exhorter's motivation is the progress of the church. And as the mouth of the body, their speech is marked by passion for the purpose of consoling and encouraging. I believe that we experienced a word of exhortation this morning where we were being called and, and, and encouraged that the Lord is with us, not to fear, not to give in to unbelief, because God is with us and we can go forward because of it. The dark side of this gift, sorry, the the gift of exhortation in the life of Paul. Um, Paul's goal was to present every man mature in Christ. He was continually urging people to press on towards that goal. He had an ability to discern where people are really at and speak to them right where they're at. Paul had a desire to give people precise and practical steps of action to take in urging them towards growth. And Paul had an ability to welcome personal tribulation as a motivator for spiritual growth. Paul gloried in his troubles because he saw that they brought God glory and that he received more of Christ's power. The dark side is that you can treat people like projects and not persons. You can sometimes get frustrated that that person is continually sitting in the same spot. You can exaggerate in order to motivate. 
You can be overly optimistic and unable to rest if you have this gift of exhortation. And the other way, that, the other dark side is that you can take family time to counsel and be with others. Do you have this gift? Do people find you when they feel discouraged? Do people look for you when they feel discouraged? Do you get phone calls when people feel discouraged? Do you enjoy walking with someone through difficulties? Are you attracted to those that are hurting and needy? Do you run in when everyone else runs away? You might have the gift of encouraging or exhortation. The gift of giving. Givers are motivated to supply others. And they give out of a spirit of generosity. They don't just wait for someone to ask them for something. They look for ways to sow. They prefer their donations to be anonymous and recognize that their resources are tools for God's use. The gift of giving as seen in the life of Matthew. He had a desire to give quietly without public notice. He was the only gospel writer to record Jesus' teaching about the need to give secretly so that God could reward openly. Matthew had wealth and wealthy friends, yet he left it all to follow Jesus. He was content with the necessities of life. He had an ability to see financial needs which others overlooked. Matthew records Christ's condemnation of the Pharisees for not supporting their aged parents. He also detailed the fairness of paying all the laborers the same wage. The dark side of this gift of giving or the gift of generosity is that you can judge those who misuse funds rather than advise them. You can fail to discern God's promptings for the gift that you're to give. You can control ministries and people by your gifts. And you can corrupt people by giving too much. Do you have this gift? Do you give regularly? Do you often hear people say that you're a generous person? Is that how someone would describe you? Listen, uh, I, I want to encourage you because, you know, humility is being willing to be known for who you really are. Nothing more, nothing less. It's not humble to pretend that you don't have these things when you do. Because true humility is the willingness to be known for who you really are. Nothing more, nothing less. So you don't have to pretend that you've got things that you don't. But don't pretend that it's humble to say that you don't have these gifts. If God's given you these things, own these things. It's not, it's not, it's not humble to run away from this. Do you find yourself looking for opportunities to give your money even when no one, is at, no one asks? Everyone gives when we stand up here and ask. But do you look for opportunities to give your money? You're not waiting for someone to ask you. You're looking for an opportunity to, to operate in this gift. Have you never said the words, split the tab? That might be a good indication that you have this gift. The gift of leadership. Sorry, we're plowing, guys. It's the only way to get through all these. I'm sorry. I can't even give myself the freedom to pull away from these notes. It'll get ugly. Hang with me. 
Do, do people need to stretch? Okay. As the shoulders of the body, the leader's basic motivation is towards shouldering responsibility for the sake of efficiency. They provide direction, rule. They protect and champion the vision of the church. We see the gift of leadership in the life of Nehemiah. He knew what resources were available and he knew what was needed in order to reach the goal. Nehemiah requested specific lumber from the king to be delivered at a certain time. Nehemiah also had this incredible ability to break down major goals into smaller achievable goals. He accomplished the huge task of rebuilding the walls by having many groups working on smaller sections. Nehemiah knew what he should and should not delegate to others. Um, And he also had an ability to inspire and encourage the workers. Um, The dark side of this gift is you can view people as human resources and not human beings. The dark side is that you can use people just to achieve your personal goals. The dark side is that you can take charge of projects in your own strength. You can be unresponsive to suggestions and appeals. Do you have this gift? Do others look to you to make a final decision? When you're trying to decide today after church where you're going to eat, will it probably be you that decides that? Do you have clarity on what needs to be done when others are stuck? Do you often think about how, how things could be better? You're constantly thinking about how things could be better, and then it's, it's fueled by this conviction that they should be better. You're not just thinking about how they could be better, you're thinking about how they should be better. You're interested in shouldering the responsibility. The gift of mercy. The basic motivation is to identify with, bring comfort to, and relieve those who are in need. People who are designed this way are feelers and they're ruled by the heart, not the head. They release God's kindness, care, and mercy to others by empathizing with them. They're able to connect with those who are grieving and walk them through difficult seasons in life. The gift of mercy we see in the life of John. John's writing and relationships illustrate that his primary focus was love. He uses the word love more than anyone else. And he actually refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. Um, Jesus confided in John before he was to be crucified. And John's deep understanding and acceptance makes it easy, easy to see why others who were in emotional distress sought him out. The dark side of the gift of mercy is that you can have a failure to be firm and decisive when necessary. You can also take up offenses for those who have been hurt. You can base your decisions on emotions rather than reason. You can uh, fail to maintain healthy boundaries in relationship. You can carry things that only God was meant to carry if you have this gift of mercy. Do you find yourself drawn to people who are sick, disabled, or elderly? Do you find yourself drawn to those who have been marginalized or forgotten about? 
Do you have a great deal of compassion for people who have emotional problems? Is Extreme Home Makeover your favorite show? (laughs) Are you slow to get angry? Are you slow to get angry when others are quick to judge? You may have this gift. These are the gifts given by the Father. And I believe that they may um, describe the tendencies that you have. Do you see yourself in there? Can you identify the dominant gift that God's given you? I know that there are times where you probably operate in every one of these things, but there might be one that characterizes you and really is the thing that motivates your decisions and actions. I'd encourage you, if if nothing popped out to you, to spend some time with it because God's given you a gift. And it it is really important for us as a church and for the mission that God has in front of us here in Visalia that you discover the gift that God's given you. We're about to move into talking as a church about mission. And I was thinking about just skipping this stuff because I knew it would come off a little like this. It's hard to preach this content. I knew I would be up here just sharing this content. But the idea that we as a church would move forward in talking about mission and what God's put in front of us without you discovering the gifts that he's given you or the way that you're motivated to serve would be a waste of time. You've got to get in touch with the way God knit you in order for us to accomplish the mission. Your design and our destiny as a church are connected. Let's turn to Ephesians 4. And read about the gifts that were given uh, by Jesus, the Son of God. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says this, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. Now, I know that this is, a, this is intimidating. So I'm not going to ask you to think of yourself as an apostle today. Because I would be pretty suspicious of anybody who gave me that business card as well. If it said, you know, if I handed someone, hey, Travis Aiklin, I'm an apostle. That's what I do. It's just a little scary because we don't, we don't use those terms. And there's a lot of misunderstanding about the, this... Uh, this um, office of apostle because we fail to differentiate between the office of apostle and the gift of apostle. There are 12 apostles. But we also see that Jesus gave the gift of apostleship or he gave some to be apostles. There are 15 others in scripture that are called apostles beyond the 12 that we normally talk about. There were other apostles, other people functioning in this gift. So I, I don't think about the position. Don't think about the title. Don't think about the role. What I want you to think about is the function. Because the reason that Jesus wanted apostles in his church was so that his church would function apostolically. And what we're excited about is a five-fold function here. 
We want apostolic gifts. We want prophetic gifts. We want evangelistic and pastoral and teaching gifts to be operating here. So do you understand what I'm saying? Don't think so much about the position, but consider this morning that you might have an apostolic gift. And if you were to walk in that apostolic gift, let's say for the next 20 years, the result might be that you end up with a position or the, or the gift of apostle. Does that make sense to you? So I, I know it's a little bit scary. We're going to take these spiritual gifts inventories in small groups. And I know it's probably going to be a little bit... It's easy to say, oh, I scored high in mercy. But you don't want to be in the, the guy in the group who's like, I, I scored high in apostleship. You know? <laughs> and everyone in the room's looking at you like, who do you think you are, man? Do you write the Bible? Do you perform signs and wonders? No. I believe that there are a lot of people here in this church that have an apostolic gift. I really do. And you want to know why? Is I believe that people who have an apostolic gift, who are entrepreneurs, are drawn to startups. Startups. You're drawn to this church because of where it's at and what it's doing. You love to see things launched. I believe that you're here potentially because you have an apostolic gift. The pastors that you have here in this church, I, have, I, I, I scored highest in, in apostle. I have an apostolic gift. And it's what's required to start something. Even the pastors that you have uh, are, are pastoring here in this church primarily with an apostolic gift. Okay. So we're going to go with a little bit of a broader definition of what these gifts might look like in the church in hopes that you might see yourself in there. Because I know if I asked for a show of hands for those who were apostles, there probably no, no hands would go up. The ap- the, those that function in an apostolic gifting in the church are the entrepreneurs They pioneer new missional works and oversee their development. They're essentially the stewards of the DNA of the church. As the sent ones, apostolic ministry and leadership ensures that Christianity is faithfully transmitted from one context to the other and from one era to another. Their focus or their core tasks in the church are extending Christianity Uh, Guarding and embedding the DNA of the church, both theologically and missionally. Establishing the church in new contexts. They found the other five-fold ministries, the prophetic, pastoral, teaching, and evangelistic gifts. The development of leaders and leadership systems. The strategic, uh, missional perspective of the church and translocal networking. These are the core tasks of the apostle in the church. Their impact when they're in sync with other ministries is there's there's an extension of the faith. There's authentic Christianity. A missional mode of church is fostered. Healthy translocal networking. The church has a vision bigger than itself. Um, They're experimenting with new forms of church. And there's manifestations of the fivefold ministries. They also have an impact when they're monopolizing the church. Their tendency is towards domineering styles of leadership. 
There's lots of wounded people in the church due to the task and future orientation of the apostle. Lots of challenge and change. Not enough healthy transition. This requires the pastoral and teaching function. The prophetic person in the church. Maybe you have a prophetic gift. You're the questioner. You discern the spiritual realities in a situation and communicate them in a timely way to further the mission of God's people. The definition of of a prophet is essentially the person who has an ear toward God and acts as the mouth of God and therefore speaks for God, often in tension with dominant consciousness. The the prophet is a truth-teller to the believer, whereas the evangelist is a truth-teller to the unbeliever. Their focus is discerning and communicating God's will, ensuring the obedience of the covenant community. And their core task is to question the status quo. Now I want to say something here because I believe it's these first two offices of apostle and prophet that we have the least exposure to and the least amount of experience with. And I think the reason is, you know, because evangelist, pastor, teacher, we're all comfortable with those terms. Apostle and prophet are a little bit scary terms to use. Let me just say this. I think that these two gifts have had to function outside of the church because they are designed to rock the boat. And pastors, teachers, and evangelists are meant to row that boat. And so people with apostolic and prophetic giftings are more likely to be working for a parachurch organization here in town. You'd have an easier time if you had an apostolic gift working at Students International than you would probably working at this church or any church in town for that matter. Because one of your core tasks is to agitate and to rock the boat. And so those that are apostolic and prophetic, they do this. They rock the boat. They're constantly challenging the vision of the church. They're continually calling people forward. And so we don't have a lot of experience with these because I believe that most of these people are probably working for parachurch organizations like Young Life because they uh, find more opportunity within a parachurch organization to walk in their gifting than they find inside of the church. We like things to be comfortable and the pastors and teachers keep it that way. Those that are apostolic and prophetic, they stir things up inside the church. So their impact when they're in sync with other ministries is that the church is obedient and faithful to God. That's the impact that a prophet should have in the church. The the, the church should be more God-oriented. Less fear of man should be in the church. There should be countercultural action in the church if you've got prophetic people in it. Should be a push towards social justice if you have prophetic people in a church. Their impact when they're monopolizing a church is that it's one dimensional and lacking feel in the leadership, the leadership's uh, conception of church. A church can be cliquish if you have a lot of prophetic people in it, um, the church can be exclusive and even offensive at times. Um, There's a propensity to be overly activistic and driven. And sometimes just an overly spiritual feel inside of a church when the prophetic people are monopolizing and not working with the others inside. The evangelists are the recruiters. They communicate the gospel in such a way that people respond in faith and discipleship. If you are an evangelist, you're a recruiter. 
the carrier and the communicator of the gospel message. You're the truth teller to the unbeliever. The focus and core task is to make clear the offer of salvation so that people might hear and respond in faith. The impact when in sync with other ministries is the expansion of the faith uh, through response to God's personal call and an organic numerical growth um, of the people of God. The impact in a church when they're monopolizing is a loss of overarching vision and communal health, narrow perspectives on faith limited to a, a simple gospel. Maybe you have a pastoral gift. You're the humanizer. You shepherd the people of God by leading, nurturing, protecting, and caring for them. The pastor cares for and develops the people of God by leading, nurturing, protecting, and discipling them. They cultivate a loving and spiritually mature network of relationships in a community. They make disciples. When they're in sync with other ministries, their impact is to nurture into the faith in the community, is nurture in the faith and the community. Their loving relationships, growth, a sense of connectedness. Their impact when monopolizing is that there's kind of a closed, non-missional feel to the church. The church can suffer from primary group-itis. There can be a codependency between church and pastor or a Messiah complex. Uh, There's a don't rock the boat approach to the organization. The teachers communicate the revealed wisdom of God so that the people of God learn to obey Christ's commands. Their core task is helping the faith community explore and seek to understand the mind of God. Their impact when they're in sync with other ministries is uh, self-awareness, devotion to learning and integration, understanding of God and faith. Their impact uh, when they're monopolizing is a theological dogmatism or arrogance, a Christian Gnosticism which is saved by a knowledge of the Bible and theology. The Bible replaces the Holy Spirit. There's an intellectualism and a control. So, would you consider this week that potentially you have an apostolic gift, that you potentially have a prophetic gift that God's given you? And would you start to function in the gift that he's given you? Not worrying about the title, the office, because we are given, there's gifts given to the church. It was Jesus that gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And I just did that in a backward order. But the reason that he gave those gifts to the church is because he he wanted um, the leadership in the church to lead like Jesus, who was the apostle, the sent one, was the pastor, was the uh, prophet, was the teacher, was the shepherd. Uh, I think I just added a sixth. For some of you, um, you'd be able to work through some of this inside your small groups. I'd encourage you to continue to have conversations about the gifts that maybe God's put inside of you. For others, you can pick up an inventory on your way out. If you're interested in taking a test that might reveal to you some of the gifts that God's put in you, those are available as you walk out. I'm going to pray, and we're going to go. Thanks for drinking from the fire hose this morning.
Father, we recognize this morning that we were meant to display you. That we as human beings are your mirror. And I ask that this church could reflect you, all that you are. That God, you would give gifts to us. So that we could minister like Jesus did. I thank you for the gift of your presence. There's a lot of things that you do for us. There's a lot of things that you've given us. um, But the best thing you've given us is yourself. Thank you for your presence. And I pray it would go with us as we leave today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We want to be a resource for you as you walk with Jesus. So please connect with us at radiantvicelia.com. Until next time.